Welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. This evening, I am joined by my special guest, Jack Woodward, who is a freelance commentator, reporter, presenter, and events host, currently working for the EFL Highlight Show on ITV and other channels. Also, he's well known to Aston Villa fans for his many years as the voice of the club. Me and Jack go back a long way. It's great to have you on the show, Jack. Really looking forward to this. Pleasure to be a part of it, and thanks for that very nice introduction as well. I feel like I should have my uh, claret and blue top on, but I love your background with the McGinn shirt. Thank you. And, uh, some of that is is proper Aston Villa. So yeah, fantastic stuff. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to get you on the show. I remember you from years ago. Yeah, I, I feel like we we have met before, haven't we? Yeah, we go we go back a long way. Yeah, just just refresh my memory, uh, Chad. Where we um, where uh, we, met. we met we met at training ground and uh, Acorns as well. I used to love going to Acorns. Uh, David Strudley and yeah. all of the team back in the day it was such a heartwarming partnership. When we used to go around with the players at Christmas, dishing out the presents and various activities. And I remember you you had the opportunity to come and. And watch your heroes train. So it was, um, yeah, it, it was refreshing. A, a lovely, a lovely partnership. That it was absolutely amazing. Because yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate what Acorns did for me over the years. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know, we went to all the different branches, and that you know, both parties benefited greatly from what was a, a truly special relationship. I remember the kit launches. We had uh, Martin yeah. Lowers on the catwalk in Brindley Place and, and his teammates. And yeah, uh, John Carew used to enjoy going there. And, and all the lads, I know I know Gabby uh, Bonnehor and, and Moen had, a, had a, a good friendship. So yeah, 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 it was a um, really quintessential part of, of ABFC for, for many, many years. It is real good times. Aston Villa, one of the first football teams to have hospice on their shirts. Yeah, and that was uh, Randy Lerner, Paul Faulkner, who yeah. I got on well with, uh, did many memorable events and have actually worked with him since I left my full-time role at the club through his, his role at the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce. And yeah, they, they identified that it's sometimes a, a sponsorship and a partnership and a display is about more than finances, isn't it? It goes deeper than that. And it, and it just goes to show Aston Villa have been a big part of the yes. local community and continue to be so in, in so many different ways because football is, is so powerful for getting those messages across. And yeah, it was it was a, an absolute privilege to be part of it. So for so long. Well, before I get more into the interview, I'd just like to introduce myself. 
Okay. My, my name's Chad Williams. I'm 27 years old. I have a genetic muscle wasting condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The condition affects all of the muscles and has made me paralysed. I was diagnosed when I was three years old and I was in the wheelchair at nine years old. Also, very sadly, I've lost close friends and people that I knew with the condition. It is a terrible disease. The average life expectancy for the condition is 20s to 30s. But with improved medical care and knowledge about the condition, some men are living longer. Because years ago, my parents were told that I was going to be here years ago. But I've, I've defied all odds. So if you could, Jack, could you spread some awareness for me? It, it would be my honour to do that, Chad. Absolutely, 100%. And I'm so impressed with how bravely you've dealt with your condition. Thank um, you. Life is precious. My, my dad uh, passed away um, just under three months ago. Sorry uh, to hear he, that. He had uh, Parkinson's. And, yeah, it's been difficult for all of us. Um, that very tough times, but uh, he was um, he was a Baggies fan, but his his dad was was yeah. Villa, so uh, there there is a, a link there. But yeah, it's um, it, it's it's been difficult, but uh, he he'd want us to to carry on. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's great to chat with you, and through doing yeah. this podcast, Chad, to to promote uh, what you're doing and to, to to deal with so many issues, but also that your particular condition and um and jolly well done to you well despite the daily challenges i'll go through i always live life to the full as much as i can mm. i volunteer twice a week in a local community i have a very busy social life another reason why i want to do this podcast is to inspire other people that you can achieve anything and I'm using the podcast as a platform to spread awareness. And I'm Avi Aston Villa supporter, supporting them for 22 years. And I'm a season ticket holder in the Trinity Road stand. It, that's brilliant. And actually, funnily enough, you, you mentioned that and now... My maths yeah. is pretty good, so I, <laughs> I got um, GCSE a long time ago. But so if you say twenty, say twenty, say twenty-two, twenty-two years, yeah, when yeah. Uh, the villain radio started, uh, and, and I I started working effectively. Mm -hmm. full, I was freelance when it began because it was a, a partnership with the, the club, and I wasn't directly employed by Villa until a couple of years after. So actually. Yeah. Yeah. when you started supporting them would be those days under under John Gregory I guess mm -hmm. when they were top of the league uh, Schmeichel scoring I don't know if you remember that and yeah they um they were flying at one time in those days and JG mm -hmm. was the was the top manager for the club well, yeah because I was supporting them about 2002 I think it might have been yeah that's right well yeah John would have Left and and you remember Graham Taylor's 
second spell then. That's, that's what it was. It didn't last too long. It wasn't as successful as his first, but yeah, uh, GT was um, was a was a great character in a different way to John. But we've had many uh, managers who've who've really kept us entertained over the years, haven't we? With their with their varying styles and different degrees of animation on the on the touchline. Yeah. So I'll go to the first question. Did, did you always want to get into sports journalism? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier on in explaining your situation, Chad, how yeah. you should always follow your dreams and nothing is impossible. And that that springs to mind with my, um, my hopes and aspirations as a youngster. A lot of kids, they dream about scoring the winning goal in the cup final don't they I, I was realistic enough to suggest that was never going to happen so I, I wanted to, to commentate on the cup final or any big game and, and that was my dream I always watch matches analytically uh, I love watching sport I love playing sport I was in teams at school I ran my own six-a-side team at, at uni um, and I and I got into it gradually I always used to you know start on the back page rather than the front page when when reading the paper uh, football golf cricket tennis you know that that's what i absolutely loved doing i did like playing it as well but um you know during my time at uni i started working for the student paper uh, the steel city press as it became um and also the student radio and i got a real buzz from doing interviews and going out reporting just on the on the student stuff and the, and the in Sheffield it's where it was so they had speedway they had ice hockey going on and all the different sports and as a Sheffield Wednesday fan I got to go and cover the owls as well and 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 all the local teams and a lot of people when they go to uni they focus maybe on their yeah. subjects and their social aspect but I was very aware that I needed to utilize my skills and also have a plan as to what I would do afterwards and a lot of people said it's very niche, it's very hard to get into, but I had the passion for it, I had the drive, I got the experience, and um, one thing led to other. I, I was in a good position when I when I left uni to, to get into it full-time. Also, I mean, you have to be very passionate yeah. about what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, um, I actually entered a, a competition where if you won the competition you would get to go on yeah. air at the local radio station Hallam FM and report on a game so I just commentated while playing my computer uh, on an imaginary right. match uh, sent it in on an old dictaphone and got on the short list I didn't win because I was young but I gradually started writing the bulletins and getting in behind the scenes just made the tea just helped out here and there and I got a chance to go and do a game at Exeter a uh, long journey. I don't think anyone else wanted wow. to cover it. Castor Rovers were bottom of the league at the time. None of the equipment was working. I had to do it on my mum's old mobile phone. But uh, I was practising. I was really nervous. I was questioning whether I'd be able to do it. But when the red light went on, um, it, it, I just got such a terrific adrenaline rush and a buzz from from doing it, going live on air. And then I um, I kept getting the experience and, um, and went on and, and, and moved into the industry. Well, I went on BBC WM a few right, weeks brilliant. ago. Yeah. Have you met Daz Hyle before? I have, yeah. I've got a lot of time for Daz. Really like his uh, style. He used to do the breakfast show. Now he does the uh, does the sport, doesn't he? I actually, Chad, when um, 
yeah. when Villa were last in Europe, uh, I used to share the commentary uh, mm. with the the reporter or commentator from WM. So, to, wow. it, so it went on Villa AVTV and also on WM at the same time, and we shared yeah. being the commentator and being the pundit. So had a great time with with uh, Dan Wheeler and uh, and Mike Taylor, Rob Gurney. Uh, all, of, all of the guys, Richard Wilford, uh, and, and it, it was great. So, yeah, w, and I used to do um, uh, used to do uh, reports on the youth games as well, youth cup and oh, reserves yeah. in the evening show with, with Mark and, and, and the rest of the guys who were, who were presenting the programme. So, yeah, I always had a good uh, good relationship. They used some of our interviews as well with, with WM. It's a, it's a good setup there, isn't it? Nice, nice people. What's your job like? Do you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's always a good icebreaker. You know, in social situations, people are always interested to know about it and the, the people I've met, the experiences I've had. You know, often when I'm working, other people are enjoying themselves, I suppose, because it's mainly weekends and in the evening. But I'm lucky enough to say that I do enjoy every moment, every commentary. I um, I relish and and look forward to it, Chad. So how many people can actually honestly say that? They, you know, they go into that place of work, which is generally a studio for me now, or a, or a football stadium or a, a big event, and um, and actually get an excitement uh, and uh, a sense of anticipation when you when you well, go into your job. Yeah, yeah, about some, uh, some highs and lows, you know. Um, it can be a challenge when you work for yourself. You know, I've been freelance for seven years now so the security is not there but you've also got things that perhaps you're not expecting and, and it's variety as well i mean mainly i do commentary that's what i always wanted to do but also yeah. i've moved into hosting events and uh, reporting interviewing you know various aspects voiceovers uh, corporate and, and and various sports as well so yeah i, I do enjoy the um the variety and on to the next question now uh... Did you have to study hard to get good qualifications to get to where you are now? I I, I did. Um, I mean, because it wasn't you, you didn't really have so many. There was no social media for a start. There was the, the internet. I don't want to give away my age exactly. I might be older than I look, but um, anyway, <laughs> I what what I found was it was really helpful with the subjects I did. Mm -hmm. I studied history at Sheffield uni, which, oh, yeah. you know, you might say, well, are you using your degree? I would say I am because you learn the art of research, which you have to have with, with commentary. You don't always use it all, but it's applying that research. So a, a, an exam, I always compare to a commentary because you, mm -hmm. you've learned the stats, you've learned everything and you need to put it in under pressure when it, 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 it really counts. Also, English, I, I, I did at A-level, uh, and, you know, it, it gives you a good command of the language. People often say I'm a bit of a wordsmith and maybe I've swallowed a dictionary at times, but I, I like to use uh, good language because it makes it more interesting, doesn't it? If you can have some fun with it, put in a few puns, put in a few uh, little, little jokes here and there, and it makes it more, more entertaining. And also my languages. I did Spanish and French at A-level, so I've been able to try a bit of the lingo on the likes of Juan Pablo Angel, the Spanish speaker, and <laughs> Carlos are over the years. Obviously, the current setup are, are very, um, very yeah. Spanish. I can't use too much with Unai Emery. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to, to have that 
up your sleeve um, and, and you can drop it in here and there. So actually, even though I didn't, uh, I, I did a journalism course after I left uni, yeah. an eight-week uh, course, just to, so I had all the law and all the, the journalism qualifications as well as a degree. But it was good to get the practical experience with Hallam FM and with local outlets and the university ones as well because then it allied to the, the the courses i did so i actually worked out worked out perfectly well actually i've got spanish in my family oh have you really yeah um, my, my nan she's from macaronia oh is she right okay so do you speak a little bit of spanish uh i'll try to still learn it yeah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I speak with a bit of a dodgy accent, but uh, I, I usually try and uh, and talk talk uh, Spanish when I go abroad, and just to, just to keep it keep it ticking over. But yeah, I did. Um, there have been lots of Spanish speakers um, at Villa over the years, haven't they? Even when you think of the likes of now, uh, I mean, oh, yeah, sure, and yeah. and, uh, and Emmy, Emmy Martinez, uh, they they speak Spanish. Yeah. Well, I support it. It's fine. My Spanish team is Deportivo Macaronia. Oh, okay. Because they were a big team years ago in Spain. They were. Yeah, equipo muy bueno. Well, Jack, I want to the next question now. Uh, okay. What's it like uh, interviewing players and managers? Yeah, it's it's a good challenge. Um, when you're doing it for a club, you have to toe the party line, of course. So you can't ask anything too controversial. But I try and keep it positive. So when I've done it for Villa TV, whilst being honest at the same time, uh, I remember Martin O'Neill always used to appreciate my positivity, especially yeah. when they had a slightly dodgy spell. They didn't have too many under his management. But he even said to me, that's why I enjoy being interviewed by you, Jack, because you're always a cup half full rather than half empty sort of person. Equally, when I've done it externally and done it at events, I find that people can open up. One of the best interviews I've ever done uh, was with Stylian Petrov talking about his um, acute leukaemia and how he handled that. It was absolute inspiration. Oh, I ne I'll never forget the day I did the pitch announcing just after they'd announced yeah. his condition and the reception he got with his his family watching on and he was in the stadium. It was, it was spine tingling, goosebump inducing. It was remarkable. And yeah, I did an event with Stillian a few years ago and he really opened up. He, and how he, you know, his, it, when his wife used to poke him at night, just to check he was still alive when he was going through his, mm -hmm. his chemo, you know, it was, it was powerful stuff. And I sometimes think when, he, when he come back from that. Oh, amazing. Uh, absolutely, you know, so strong. You know, he had a great sense of humour, Stillian. Uh, I, I, and I think, you know, he, he had almost the English type sarcasm, yeah. which you don't always get, do you? But he used to, he learned English through watching films uh, when he went to uh, Celtic, uh, I remember him saying. But yeah, it was, um, it was great. And uh, he was a, a, a fabulous captain for the club. Meant so much to him when he used to lead them out in Europe and at Wembley and, and him and Martin O'Neill were a, were a good fit as captain and manager. Well, over the years, I've met a lot of Aston Villa players and yeah. managers. And I used to go also uh, to lots of training ground and icons. Right. So I'll, I'll read some of the players that I met. 
I met okay, Gareth, go Gareth Barry. Yeah. Michael Brighton. Gabby Abomahall. Ashley Young. I met James Milner. Stillian Petrov. Andy Voiman. Brad Friedel. And also, I met some of the managers as well. Right, that's great. I, I met Martin O'Neill, Alex McLeish, and Paul Lambert. And was that an exciting experience for you? How did, how did you feel about that? Oh, it made me feel really excited. Yeah, yeah. And also, well, I Michael Brighton. Yeah, oh, I mean, my, I mean, people often ask me who is the favourite player you've interviewed and the best you've dealt with, and Mark was fabulous, you know, just through watching him as a youngster. And obviously his parents brought him up so well. And we played golf with him at the Belfry, did a really nice feature, him and Elliot Parrish. Uh, you know, and he was of that era, Barry Bannon, who went on and, and, and succeeded at Sheffield Wednesday. So pleased for Baz and they've had careers in the game, Kieran Clark, you know, some some really good people. Andy Vyman, you mentioned there, has gone on and, and fared well for Bristol City. But Mark, for him to go and win the the Premier League, FA the, win the FA Cup. I mean, so you know, yeah, he would have loved to do that with Villa, but as it worked out, he's had a, a fabulous career in the game. And it genuinely, Chad, could not happen yeah. to a nicer bloke. He, he, I've got so much time for him. And, and I, I can tell you now, if, if, if you saw him now, he wouldn't have changed. He would have kept those feet. Well, he's it, from Tamworth. Yeah, yeah. I live in Tamworth, I do. Oh, dear. Right, OK, good. That's a good Villa area. I've done a, a few events there over the years and we always end up talking football, yeah. So when you interview players and managers, do you give a certain approach when delivering your questions? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think you need to do research. Uh, it's easier now because obviously there's so much at your fingertips. Um, you can find out a lot about the players and so it's good to have that up your sleeve and then yeah there are stock questions you can ask about their career so far their hopes what they're hoping to achieve you know any teammates they might already be aware of when they join a club but also i think the best interviews chad as i'm sure yeah. you find in this podcast are when you listen to what they say and you can feed off them uh, so I, I go in with a few questions up my sleeve but i try and uh and let it develop from from what they say, and it, and it can go off in in interesting directions. Well, it, well it's important to be a yeah. good listener. Oh, it is a hundred percent, absolutely. That's the probably the most important thing because it isn't about you when you're doing an interview, is it? It's about getting the best out of the person you're talking to. Some more talkative than others. I remember Isaiah Osborne. I don't know whether you remember him. He oh, was a yeah, player who, who came uh, through the ranks and he just didn't understand when we did the interview with him, when he signed his first senior contract, what it was, because I don't think he was prepared for it. Yeah. So I had a series of one word answers. But actually, over the years, you can learn. And now they do a lot of media training. And it's so important now with social media, how they come across in those mm -hmm. chats afterwards. It's, it's part of why the, the top players uh, get paid so much. I mean, who would have thought that Gabby Abondahor would go on and become a pundit on Talk Sport when he didn't do a great deal? No one predicted of, that. Yeah. Uh, he was, he's a real character, Gabby. And I, I think I did get 
quite a few good pieces out of him, but it was hard work. He wasn't certainly wasn't yeah. volunteering, maybe because he knew he could get stitched up. Not so much at club level, but maybe mm-hmm. by the um, by the external media. So, but it's interesting, isn't it, how a number of people with Villa connections have gone on and become pundits. Micah Richards, uh, really yeah. infectious. He's uh, a, a real character, is. Yeah, yeah. I remember interviewing him when he when he joined. Uh, you look at Jermaine Genus doing it on the oh, one yeah. show, not just sport. I remember interviewing him with Alan Hutton when they signed for the club. We put the lights on for them at Villa Park, transfer deadline day. Uh, so many with with those connect. Darren Bent, he did his first commentaries with me on Rams TV for Derby. Lee Hendry, uh, I remember we went over to Texas. He did his first commentary on a, a pre-season game with me. So uh, it's, it's great to to help them along in their in their media careers as well. Dion Dublin um, always felt that he would be good in the media and he does the, the Homes Under the Hammer as, as, as well and it is brilliant um, on screen. Well, I'll go to the next question now. Uh, okay. I know this is a hard question. Mm. There is probably your most favourite interview you have done. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm glad to say, Chad, that is a nice problem to have. It's a little bit uh, answering this question because there are so many. It's a little bit like a manager who's got four strikers all banging form and he can't decide which two to use or or how to to set up. Um, I mean, I've mentioned the Stillian Paxlov one, which I did at an event and he really opened up. And yeah, there've been obviously all the ones I've done with the European Cup winners, um, as they reminisce fondly, Tony Morley. Um, Ken McNaught, guys like that who've got so many great stories about Ron Saunders. Doug Ellis, I used to enjoy interviewing him, the, the former chairman, on his 90th birthday. We went. He always used to have his Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah, great, great guy. Uh, I, I've got a lot of time. I had a lot of time for him. I know he wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but he, he loved the club and it was it was his life. Um, but yeah, actually, if, if you're talking about specific interviews i'd have to say i did one with the athlete michael johnson the pundit oh, yeah. who up at bodymore to talk to martin o'neill about some of the facilities there and maybe how football and athletics could work together and uh, yeah that that was was great so i love watching him on the tally and also I've, I've met most of my idols through my work in the media that's interesting um, when you look at um john motson i've interviewed him he's always spoke fondly of villa park um, Barry Davis, one of my other commentating heroes. I was even telling him how to pr- how to pronounce some of the Villa names. Uh, yeah. Rudy's just said he wasn't too sure about in a game at Liverpool when he was he was working there. And also Des Lynham, who was a brilliant presenter. He's a Brighton fan, and I remember speaking to him on, on the pitch before a cup game. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't often get nervous doing interviews, but I was certainly. Certainly, uh, the heart was uh, beating a bit quicker when when you come and, and you meet your, your idols. But I don't, I certainly don't get phased by interviewing footballers. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they're very high profile. But at the end of the day, Chad, they're, they're just human beings like you or me. And I think actually they do respect that if you if you can not be too in awe of them and accept that yes, there's a level of respect, but also they are they're not robots. They're people. They've got emotions. Um, I'll never criticise them for earning the money they do. That's just market rates. Exactly. It's about how they conduct themselves. And if they can all conduct themselves like Mark Albrighton or like Barry Barron or like some of the players I've mentioned, then um, the world would, would be a great place. And most of the Villa ones I've met 
you know, you think of the Scandinavians, Chad, uh, Olaf Melberg, Martin Laus, and Thomas. I've always found them really good to deal with the Scandinavian players. Who was your most favourite player? Aston Villa player. Uh, what, uh, to commentate on or to or to meet. Um, more, more to just meet Aston Villa player. Uh, yeah. well, I mean, uh, sort of some of the ones I've mentioned would be mm-hmm. very much in the top. It's I think to be honest with you, probably some of the ex players, uh, the, oh, the yeah. players who won the European Cup. I mean, Ken McNaught. He used to, we used to call him Long Distance Ken because he uh, he came on all the long trips to do wow. the commentaries. Uh, and we used to do funny things like in the German market and get him pretending to answer mm-hmm. the phones in the shop for the pre-match show. We uh, like to have a bit of a, a laugh or two along the way. And, and Tony Morley, uh, really nice fella, loves the game, loves the club. Uh, so, yeah, Andy Blair, had a great time with him uh, commentating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon Cowens. Who is a true Villa legend, yeah. isn't, isn't he? You know, if you're talking about top three Villa players, he's always in the top three, and so unassuming Sid as well. Yeah. Just um, a, a lovely fella, and um, great to, to spend time with. So I'm, I'm fortunate, really, that I've you well, know. Well, Gordon Cowens. Yeah, I've met him before. Right, and we, my, and we, right. Um, how, how was that? How was that experience? Uh, yeah, although has he got has he got dementia or something now? As a condition he's, he's dealing with. I mean, I spoke to Tony uh, a few weeks ago and he says Sid's not in the, in the best of health. So obviously I'll, um, if fair. I speak to him, I'll pass on your, uh, your regards because I know Villa fans always Thank think you. of him. And um, he, he obviously became part of the coaching setup and it was so good to see him helping the young players, um, you know, develop their careers. And I, I know he, he took great pride from doing that. Also, going back to Matt Kendrick, yeah, he told me he said hello and he oh, said right. his regards. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Matt. Um, as we mentioned, I think before we, we set up this interview, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll never forget our pre season trip to Hong Kong when he was actually mm-hmm. he was getting on quite well with the hierarchy because he seemed to be, uh, you know, in amongst it and behind the scenes, and, and it was incredibly hot. I remember it was getting up to 40 degrees and uh, I was interviewing Dion Dublin about a community event and I, the sweat was dripping down. I'm thinking, are we going to be able to carry on with the interview here? I mean, you know, <laughs> the cameraman was really struggling there, Bobby, but we um, we managed to to get through it. And yeah, we, we got involved with Genting, the, the then sponsors, went on one of their cruise ships, did some fantastic events with Ian Taylor. And I know, um, I know, Matt really appreciated that, and he did a nice piece when I, um, for the mail, I think when I when I left the club from my full time role to become freelance. So yeah, he, um, I think it's a difficult role um, that you know, and, and obviously Greg has done it, and there's been a few, um, Bill, and obviously the guys yeah. at the Express and Star, the likes of Brendan and, and Tim over the years, and it's hard because they've got to do it for the fans but also they have to strike up a rapport with the club and sometimes the two naturally clash whereas when you're working for the club as i have done then obviously you know where you have to pitch it equally though it's hard to sometimes get the credibility of the fans because you've always got to be positive when we were doing the pre-match show with froggy yeah. uh, villa won three premier league games all season we had to keep banging the drum that was really hard because obviously the fans are thinking, well, this is hopeless. We're going nowhere. We're going down. But we had to try and look for the 
crumbs of comfort and maybe an external reporter can be more more honest equally though we you know we have to reflect the mood of the team so but i certainly found that my job uh, was harder um, or when the, obviously the team was struggling and um, but that really is the true skill of it when the team are doing well everyone can uh, uh, you know be optimistic and happy and reflect things can't they but when they're not doing so well you've got to try and look for that angle yeah which is often there which can give you some some encouragement so that was some um, good chat but that's why i think it's good for me and quite rare in a way a lot of people end up working for a club and that's what they do they go from one club maybe to yeah. another one i've i've been behind the scenes internal but also i've worked externally for a range of other companies the likes of itv and channel five and the bbc and many companies so i've seen it from from both sides really so also jack what your passion for the guy do you have a lot of passion as well yeah, I mean, people often say to me, oh, Jack, that was such a dull nil-nil, but you made it sound exciting. <laughs> but, it, but equally, I, I mean, the thing is that I, I, I don't really have too much time for commentators who sound like they don't want to be there. Because even yeah. if it is a ball nil-nil, maybe you can salute the defending or you could, there's something you can talk about. Or you can, you know, you can highlight the fact that you, you're surprised that it is so dull and dour and drab. But, yeah, uh, I just I just love the, um, the, the noise of the crowd and the atmosphere the ambience the the theater and drama of football is is what i love yes tactics are fine stats are fine but really it's the it's the capacity for the unexpected and it's the the sheer theater that plays out in front of you that i like to reflect and and that appeals to me and and always has and and that's why my next game is just as exciting as the first one i ever covered what was probably the best moment of your career? Oh, again, that's a really tough one. Um, I mean, I think if we're talking Villa, then I guess announcing the teams at Wembley was a real privilege. And I know when I did that, which was in 2010 for the League Cup and 2015 for the FA Cup final, I accept that overall for the fans... They lost those games, came close to beating Manchester United, uh, but but lost heavily to Arsenal in the FA Cup. Well, was actually, that all those finals? Yeah, but for me at the time, Chad, it was wonderful because I was announcing the teams, the fans were going crazy, and what a buzz. I, mean, you know, I, bet, you, I, bet, I bet you were proud. Oh, it was amazing. And I was a bit nervous the first time because I went right into the centre circle. But just as I started, the players came out to warm up and it just went from there. And I'll never forget Dan um, Walker, who was presented for the BBC and I went to uni with. He, he was there for Football Focus and he was saying, oh, Jack, you were so good. You were almost too good because you got them going. And then when I'm announcing some of the teams, you could hardly hear me because they, the, the atmosphere that we generated was so good. But thing is, I think if Villa had one, I would have struggled to complete the, the commentary because uh, obviously it's such a strain on your voice. But there were times at the club when I was... I was doing stuff in the corporate area. I was interviewing the fans, doing the pre-match, uh, the, the commentary for the block pr programme, the radio, the interviews. So I was doing everything. Uh, and, you know, when they were in Europe as well, I my, my voice papped up, I think, by <laughs> by mid-March. So, well, yeah. Were you really the fans raw? Well, it, it, that's the thing. And you feed off each other as well. 
I mean, I do a lot of studio-based stuff now, Chad, which is fine. And often people say to me, mm -hmm. um, oh, did you have a good trip to Sunderland or wherever when I do a game for ITV or, or for, for the EFL? And it's good that they think you're at the game, but often you are in a studio doing it from a feed, um, which perhaps I shouldn't give that away. But often you are at the stadium. It depends on how things are done. But it's... Um, yeah, it's 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 theatre of the mind, but it is is it is a lot better when you are in either on the gantry or in the press box, and you're just absorbing the noise and and feeding off it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was probably a highlight. And there's so many highlights though. Yeah. You know, we went over to do this boring to boring feature for the marketing yeah. team. Well, we took the kit uh, from the boring in Birmingham to a boring in Spain, and we drove, uh, went through France, That's and we did some funny videos and it, it was before Twitter but we put them on the website and uh, Martin O'Neill was delighted to receive a nice new kit for the squad for the Peace Cup which they went and won that pre-season tournament beating yeah. the likes of Porto and Juventus. Uh, I got a hole in one at the Belfry on the Villa Golf Day which was expensive. Well, 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 yeah yes yeah, great it's, it was expensive in the bar but I won a holiday Chad so that was good on the, on the uh, 12th with a three wood over the water so that was that was a highlight but yeah there've been um there've been too many to mention really but some i think certainly some of the um the pre-season trips and the the uefa cup uh matches was was a real privilege but but yeah some memorable games as well you know the 6-4 against blackburn in the semi-final oh, was that were you what oh what do you remember that atmosphere that was just electric, oh it was absolutely it? incredible mm. never seen a game like it and uh, ajax in the in the UEFA Cup, that was a, a really good night. And was it Gareth Barry? Yeah, Barry. And, well, yeah, well, I remember Barry and Martin Lawson scored in that game. But um, yeah, I actually also remember, funnily enough, uh, we had a season obviously behind closed doors, didn't we? Because yeah. Oh yeah. I remember the final game of that season. Ten thousand fans were allowed back in, weren't they, at Villa Park against Chelsea? And Villa beat oh, Chelsea yeah. that day. That was quite emotional, actually, just to have people in the stadium again i really um enjoy doing that but yeah again again um you could probably ask me that question tomorrow chad and i'll come up yeah. with a whole load of other possibilities which makes me appreciate um appreciate the job i've, I've had over the years uh, do you enjoy commentating on itv i do yeah it's very different uh but i love the efl and the stories it provides uh, so many you know, you look at Luton this season, having having got promoted. It's, oh, yeah. it's remarkable. And obviously, it's nice to have the variety of covering different teams. TV is very different to radio. have to let it breathe a bit more. Um, but, you know, it, it's the way it's going. A lot of people have their background uh, in radio. Uh, but, yeah, I love doing it for, um, for a terrestrial channel, um, a national uh, channel. And it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have been part of it. I was um, initially involved with Channel 5. Uh, when it was there and then it then went to Quest and now it's on ITV so it's changed channels a few times but it's um, yeah it's really good fun You're a good commentator Well I have my moments <laughs> I think everyone has a different style don't they Chad and I try and um, you know obviously I mentioned my heroes Motti with his enthusiasm Barry Davis of such a could try and put those but the, you've got to be your own man haven't you yeah. or your own you know your own person so that's what I try and... Uh, well, John Moxon, he'll always be with Amber, he will. Yeah, oh, yeah, he will. Brilliant with the sheepskin coats. And, uh, yeah, he uh, 
his eye for detail. Yeah, it was um, it was so good to meet him. And he, he used to ring me for the Villa team news, and I oh, could never yeah. believe his, his name actually coming up on my phone. Oh, wow. uh, it was a, uh, and, and I tried to give him a, a steer. Obviously, I couldn't give him the complete inside trap. He was very old school. Mm. He used to go to the hotels where the players were staying and notice their characteristics, so he could put yeah. into his to his commentaries. So yeah, he was he was brilliant. Also, a lot of enthusiasm for the game. Yeah. Well, I don't think we should ever lose that. I mean, I've noticed it since fans came back following the pandemic, yeah. and the the it's so loud, isn't it, at Villa Park and at all the different stadium now because people just love going they love tasting it they love the football is so powerful isn't it Sp live sport is so powerful so if you can't be enthusiastic about that and you work in it then mm -hmm. i guess you're in the wrong industry aren't you it's um well, it's it gives me escapism from everything yeah yeah it does that, that's the thing it does and, and that is the reality for for most people they can forget their troubles and they can unite in one common goal the as a band of supporters getting behind that team, and it's um, it's wonderful. What was it like working for BRB? Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, my my dad was from Smethwick, so had links to the area. Mm -hmm. um, I was at TFM up on Teesside for a number of years. Brian Robson was manager of Middlesbrough then, and uh, I yeah. used to cover them in Hartlepool in Darlington. Had a great time on the breakfast show doing the sport and covering Borough in the Premier League. But then I saw an advert, or one of my colleagues actually saw an advert saying, can you paint pictures with words? And that was the, the advert for, for BRMB and, and Capital Gold. And they knew I wanted to commentate. And yeah, I loved that job. It was my first uh, full-time job at TFM. But I knew that if I wanted to commentate on live football, I had to make the move. And I covered, that's when my love affair with Villa started, really. Um, on that, my first away game was uh, at Everton and Paul Merson scored a remarkable goal. It was an awful game, but he scored right at the end. And I think I said something like the magic man uh, said abracadabra and out popped the white rabbit from the black hat. And, 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 and that was a line that went down well. And it was, uh, I think it was early, might have been uh, bonfire night, but it was certainly around then. Yeah. And, yeah, that was my first away game. I remember my first visit to Villa Park. And, yeah, I, I tended to cover most of their matches. I also did Birmingham, West Brom, Walsall, Wolves. So got a good overall grounding. And when Villa started their, the villain, um, which was in conjunction with a company called Radio First, they approached me because, obviously, I already had a, um, a an understanding and a rapport with the with the Villa fans. So, you know, I've, I've never got a job I've actually applied for. It's in the industry. It tends to be the reputation you build up and, and you'll end up getting opportunities. And, you know, I, I never look back really. And I never planned to work for a club, Chad. It just, that's how yeah. it happened. And it all fell into place. It was the early days of, of club stations and club radio and club TV. Obviously it's gone in different directions now, uh, but um, it was great to be there at the, at the start of it, we had some we had some terrific times. Did you work with Tom Ross? I did. Yes. Yeah. He was uh, he was doing uh, he was head of sport at the time. So I was there for a season, uh, and then decided that it, I actually then after that became uh, freelance for a while, and That's I amazing. actually worked TV Digital after that and BBC Radio Sheffield. 
and then and then I hadn't planned to stay in Birmingham, but then that's when Villa came. Uh, the, the radio first came in for me, so uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good. I'm glad I did that season, and because it led to a, a job I've I've absolutely loved. Well, my favourite moment of you doing AVTV commentary was when Trezeguet scored in the Carabao Cup semi-final. I can still see that ball. Was it was it Elmo chipped over the ball? It was. It was Matt. It was made. In, uh, yeah, it was. It was brilliant. That wasn't it. Um, over the top, and there was uh, Trezeguet on the volley. What a brilliant! Yeah, I remember that because it it meant so much because they were going back to Wembley. Important, and yeah. We got to the final, and actually the, the final itself I did with with George Boateng, and you know I remember did Bjorn, Bjorn Angles near the end at a header. Oh, that, that was so good. Post. That could have led to extra time. They might have won that. So they came close. I remember Samata got them back into it. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was uh, thanks for that. That was great. And I, I actually really liked that season because it was Villa. I went back having left for a few years just to do freelance and um, some some great occasions. Of course, they completed the the great escape behind closed doors at the end of that season. But to get to the to the final, and there were some great atmospheres, weren't there? At Everton on a Friday night and Newcastle yeah. and some great games that year. But also, Jack, can you spread the word about my podcast? Oh, absolutely. I, Chad, it would be my my joy to do so. So I will make sure I promote um, promote what you're doing because you've got a very good style, uh, good interviewing technique, and I, I sort of know what I'm talking about having, having done – so many over the years, thousands of interviews. And I used to do a Villa podcast, as you know, uh, where yeah. we used to put in little comments from the, the ex-players, the current players, little features, and uh, loved doing that for, for many years from the from the radio station. So, um, yeah, congratulations to you. And I hope it goes from, uh, from strength to strength. I really appreciate it. The, oh, OK. That, you're good. <laughs> So what do you do in your spare time? Well, I like to... It's funny, really. I, I would say I used to watch a lot of football, but maybe not so much now, because when you, your job becomes your hobby. But I still yeah. do. Um, I play golf. Um, as I mentioned, my hole-in-one at the Villa Golf Day was a great moment. I've actually had two others at my home course, Lindrick, which had um, the Ryder Cup yeah. in 1957. So I've got a good claim to fame that my three hole-in-ones have all been on courses that have hosted the Ryder Cup. But, yeah, I love playing golf um, anywhere, you know, either at Lindrick near Sheffield or or um, on holiday or, you know, been very lucky through work to play in, in a lot of a lot of golf functions over the years. I like to um, to go to the cinema and the theatre, uh, spend That's time good. with friends and family, and also to uh, to sing. I like, um, I mean, a, a few groups. I've done a bit of semi-professional, but I like to, to do it in my spare time as well. And I've been in a number of um, choirs uh, over the years, and also done some um, uh, done some individual performances, uh, which which is great. It's 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 good use of my skills, but also it's nice to to do it in a group with people. It's a really good um, way of forming friendships. But the Belfry is a nice course. It, it is. It is very. It's, it's challenging. There are some iconic holes, aren't there? The tenth that you can drive or a short one to go over the water with your next and obviously the 18th is is uh has got so much history behind it and i i live not too far 
from from there. So yeah, I've had some some great uh, rounds there over the years. I remember we did a Ryder Cup style feature. Uh, oh, me yeah. and my boss, we we played against um, Brad Guzan and Eric Lehigh. <laughs> so it was uh, Europe versus America over the ten. Can't remember how it finished. Can't remember who won. We only played one hole. I think Brad might have drove the green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think of uh, the job in like Emory has done? Fantastic, or maravilloso, you might say uh, in Spanish. Uh, yeah, formidable. Um, attention to detail really has a pedigree. You know, they used that phrase, didn't they? Elite level manager or elite level head coach. And he's proved that. He's won trophies, multiple trophies, great passion for the game, brought his staff, gets the best out of the players. And to achieve European qualification was just amazing. I, I mean, I, I commentated for Villa TV on the yeah. win over Manchester United when he took over. And that was just dream stuff. I've lost count of the number of times the hope we had in games of, of Villa beating Manchester United with, with Tony Morley in the FA Cup when they were 2-0 up. And also when Hernandez got a hat-trick and over the years, the Skulls wonder goal. You know, they never got quite did it against Manchester United. This guy comes in and straight away, he oversees a win over the Red Devils. It, it's it's touch impact. Yeah, you, and you knew then that he was special. And it, I'm sure he'll continue to flourish. And he's the man definitely you want at the helm with Villa back in, in European competition. And just, you know, they'll be targeting a trophy next season. That's what we'll hope, be hoping to achieve. He's a genius. It's amazing well, how quickly yeah. he has improved the team, especially the same group of players. It is. It's um, it's utterly sensational, you know, and, and he's come in, he's got his system. He, he works everything out to a T. The home form has been fantastic. Some great away wins. I mean, I thought that draw at Liverpool was key, wasn't it? So important to get that going into the Brighton game because it put them, the, the destiny was in Villa's hands and they went and completed the job. And, you know, for the fans to be so upbeat now, having finished seventh, goodness knows what will happen yeah. if they actually go on a charge. Because, you know, a big, I absolutely loved it under Martin O'Neill. He's the manager I got on with the best. Oh, uh, he's really great, God. With Robbo, a great character and Wally and all, all the got Seamus, you know, brilliant coaches. But, uh, you know, the, the big regret he might have is that, they didn't push on in Europe. And I, I understood, yeah. I totally understood why he did it and fans criticising for it. But, you know, I think a lot of other managers would have done the same thing. He, he wanted to get in the Champions League, so he, he fielded the wheat team in Russia. I think it was a mistake in hindsight, and he would admit that. Um, you know, I remember it and looking at the squad list and we're thinking, well, how on earth are they going to get through? And they didn't get through. And really, when you look at O'Neill, it could have been three campaigns in Europe, Chad, couldn't it? But it actually, been, yeah. it, was two, it was two playoff defeats and yeah. half a campaign. So it, it was a shame. But, you know, I'm sure under Unai, he will be showing... Well, well it's a massive achievement. But he'll be prioritising the Premier League yeah. as well. He'll, he'll make sure he has a squad that's capable of, of challenging on all these um, these different fronts. Well, the thing is with West Ham, if I could do it, we could do it. Very well put. Yeah, and you saw those scenes. It was incredible, wasn't it, with Bowen's goal late on? And, and I know all Villa fans were thinking, well, that could be us mm-hmm. next year. You can't, no guarantees just because Unai Emery's done it with. Of course, you don't know. It doesn't mean that it's got, but you, you have to be humble about it. But you have to accept that actually, you know, you look at the rest of the clubs and Villa are 
you know, right up there amongst being the biggest. They've got the pedigree of doing well in Europe before as a club. So, yeah, very excited um, for the fans. Do you have any goals for the future? Uh, any goal? Well, I mean, I'm lucky to have done what I've done, aren't I? Um, so I just, yeah, just just continuing to work in a fast-changing industry, I think. And, uh, you know, you have to adapt. You have to develop new skills. You have to maximise uh, your, your abilities. Um, and and I've been lucky to, to have the experiences I've had. Um, I, I mean, yeah, just to, to carry on doing it and see where it takes me. I don't necessarily have, sort of, I, I've realised my dream. And I, yeah. I'm living it every season. Uh, so I don't tend to set too many specific targets, a little bit maybe like a striker. Might, might have in the back of his head that he wants to get to 25 goals, but he won't always reveal it to people asking. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to just uh, carry on carry on enjoying it, uh, Chad, I think is, is the most important thing. What was it like to interview Jack Grealish? Yeah, good. Um, I, it, was, it was a nice experience, actually, to go back to the training ground um, three years after a lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people moved on and decided it was time to, for a change. I was included in that. And to go back and chat with him uh, when I knew him as a young lad and everyone was so excited watching for the youngsters. He used to commentate on the next gen and the under-18s, the youth cup. And then obviously when he, he helped Villa as a, a young lad into the FA Cup final under Tim Sherwood um, and to see how he'd, how he'd developed and how he'd become the player he was at the time and who would have thought having done that interview that he would now be a treble winner with Manchester City his career has gone such a remarkable trajectory and he is a superstar amazing incredible and um you know he, he loves Villa and uh, but I think it was right for him to move you know it's a short career it's a short I mean I know it's a, yeah. a lucrative one for them but it's a short career and he couldn't wait. He, he, you know, it might be that Villa do go into the Champions League and they're in Europe and they, they do go and win trophies again yeah. and compete for the league. Who knows? But, you know, he, he's been vindicated, hasn't he? He's, yeah, OK, it was difficult his first season. He's flourished this season. He's won two Premier Leagues, an FA Cup, a Champions League, and he's he's done well and he's helped England uh, to yeah. get, into, um, uh, get into the final of a major tournament. So, yeah, really pleased. But in the future, I think he'll come back to Villa again. Uh, well, you know what? I wouldn't rule that out. I really wouldn't. He's not, you know, what is he, nearly 28? Keeps himself yeah. fit and healthy. He can have the odd night out, but not to, uh, only when he's won the treble, I think. He's getting known for that. But, yeah, he's just laying his hair down. That's all absolutely fine. But, uh, yeah, he needs to um, uh, to look at what he's doing. He's happy with his football. He has a great rapport with the likes of De Bruyne and Haaland, world-class players. And I think he'll he'll do well for England in the next couple of tournaments as well. And maybe that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? The last couple of years of his career yeah. coming back to Villa and helping them to win a trophy could happen. Wouldn't wouldn't rule anything out because it's been a, a also a, a, Jack Grealish uh, right. Yeah, he's a real like cheeky chopper in the dressing he is, room. He is, and also the fans love his honesty, don't they? That's where he's, he's, he comes across. He just speaks his mind, and uh, yeah, he's we use coming back to that phrase, footballers are human beings and he, he shows yeah. his human side, doesn't he, which is, is nice and he does a lot for... Uh, well, well, well for I wish you the best I did. Yeah, good. And also, you know, someone like, someone like Mark Albrighton, 
who moved on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, and he, he's been proved right to, to move on. Barry Bannon at his level, you know, he's, yeah, he's not been doing it in the Premier League, but he's still found his spiritual home in Sheffield. And it's great, you know, people's, you know, if, if Villa can develop players at a young level, ideally for their team, but if they go on and have careers in the game, then that's the good service for the get for English football in general. What do you think about Ashley Young's career at Aston Villa coming to an end? Well, I, I mean, fantastic professional, always fronted up, certainly in his first spell, always happy to talk to the media, uh, just for the longevities, a bit like James Milner, who was the club's record signing at the time. He used to walk his dog in Sutton yeah. Park when he played for Villa. I remember uh, doing a few interviews with him and, yeah, for... for both of those guys to do it for so long shows a hunger, shows a desire, shows a, a quality, a dedication to their work, and can't say um, can't say kind enough things about about them. The other thing with Ashley Young is an Aston Villa legend. His yeah. dedication to the game is incredible, and he's a brilliant professional. I think. Yeah, it would be easy for him, wouldn't it, to have retired a long time ago. Same with James. But they want to keep going. They want to keep improving themselves, show a humility mm -hmm. and an ability to work in different footballing environments. Because he predicted he was going to come back to Villa. Yeah, right and, uh, and the second spell was, was pretty good, actually, when you look at it. Yeah, He put a real good shift in, I thought. Yeah, and his first spell was brilliant. Three, three successive top six finishes. I'm, I'll never forget... Martin O'Neill calling him a genius on the pitch after they came from behind. Or, or no, came from that late leveller to win at Everton in one of the most brilliant games I've ever watched. Uh, yeah, he had so many. I remember him. he scored in that match we were talking about, didn't he? The, the last he goal did. in the four against Blackburn uh, to etch his name into, into Villa folklore, if you like. Well, I'll go on to the last question. Okay. Oh, it's flown by this hour, Chad. That's a good sign. Oh, really <laughs> what is your best memories from Mick Dale? The tall guy. Oh, Mick Dale. Oh, what a lovely fella. And you know what? That's what people don't always see at football clubs. You often have such pleasant, kind, generous individuals behind the scenes. Yeah. And he was also very generous in his praise of others. He was the first person to congratulate you if you've done something good, to give you encouragement, to make you feel appreciated in what you did for the club. And he was um, a walking, talking ambassador and encyclopedia of knowledge. So, yeah, if you speak to Mick, just pass on my best regards because I had a good friendship with him. And it was always, you know, a genuine pleasure to see him in and around the club. And I know he, he made himself part of the furniture Um for, for many years. So, yeah, I, I haven't got a bad word and no one would have a bad word to say about Mick. An absolute top quality fella. Really, well, really good. I, I did work experience with did Mick on, on two occasions. I bet you loved that, Chad, didn't you? Yeah, he's such a lovely guy. Yeah. He, let me, he actually let me go on the pitch. Did he? Right. Yeah, and it was right. a yeah, experience. The hallowed turf. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget it. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, he, he did that for so many people was as part of the of the tour, and he, he went the extra yard as well. It was more... I, I often find that with people who work 
at clubs. It's more than just a job. It's um, it's a way of life. I'm going to interview Mick soon. Are you? Oh, that'll be... Uh, yeah, well, make sure you uh, pass on my best wishes. 100%. Uh, he, he will be a really good interviewee um, for you, Chad. You, you'll get some nice... Uh, some nice enthusiasm and, and, and stories out of him. Well, I'm going to bring this episode to a close, Jack. Okay. But before we do, could you sing me a bit of a verse? <laughs> um, I would say I'm a victim of my own passion here. Yeah, we're, yeah. I've had a few, um, a few songs. I remember singing Edelweiss on the way back from Russia as Martin O'Neill tried to placate the disgruntled <laughs> fans and he used to sing at the um memorial service actually to commemorate loved ones who who died in the past year uh, in the Holt suite so uh yeah I've, uh, I've done quite a bit of uh crooning at the club over the year well what do you want me to sing shall i just sing anything or uh, just anything just a little, a little verse do you well do you want me to, um well i suppose oh well, let, let's do the one that Everyone was singing at Wembley, shall we? Okay. Shall yeah, go I've on got then. a backing, so shall I just freestyle it? Yeah, yeah. It's up to you. Okay. I think you should join in, Chad. Okay. <laughs> You're going to definitely recognise this one. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Where it began, I can't begin to know when, but then I know it's growing strong. Was in the spring, and spring became the summer who'd believe you'd come along hands touching hands, touching hands reaching, reaching out. out touching what me touching you sweet caroline the times never seem so good. So good, so good. I've been inclined <laughs> to believe they never would. We Caroline. Well done, Jack. That was absolutely brilliant. Good accompaniment from you, uh, Chad, as well. We could be a double axe. <laughs> you shouldn't be on Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> no, that's in great times in choirs over the years. I used to sing in a male voice one. They were all about 30 years older than me up in uh, in Seaside. But, yeah, I've been with the uh, the gospel choir a few times, singing singing it, uh, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And I've been in a number of groups over the years and uh, local vocals, Casabromic singers. Uh, and I've really... Um, really had a good time with them so uh yeah it's it's a nice part of, of what i do do you got a real baritone to your voice yeah i used to be a bass but it's gradually getting higher my voice as, as the years go on thank you very much that's very kind of you well thank you everyone for watching if you thanks, enjoyed thanks this video, me. please give it the thumbs up and let me know your thoughts about this podcast in the comment section please subscribe to my channel also i'll be on all audio platforms as well so thank you so much jack for your time 
Thanks, Chad. I really enjoyed it. And um, best of luck uh, to you. I'll make sure I tune in to your to your next one. But um, re really good to be part of your of your show. The last thing we're going to say is up the villa. <laughs> up the villa. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>